Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Well, I've got a Word today. Are y'all ready to receive? I believe that God has laid something very specifically on my heart, and I've watched this whole month of June, um, what I preached the first Sunday in June, go, man, we've got to get this. I'm talking about joy and satisfaction in life. And this is the second part that I started uh, at the first of this month. And on June 1st, I'm in my office and I'm working on this sermon for Sunday, June 4th, and I was preaching. And I I looked at my calendar on my phone. And I I don't know if any of y'all have iPhones or you have calendars that are there. And you have the dates on the phone that... um, that are already downloaded by the company. You didn't put them in there, but they just tell you what, what's going on. And I look at my phone, and on my phone, I see this message. Once again, it's been there for several years, and every year I probably talk about it. But it's the first day of the LGBTQ plus Pride Month. And I didn't put it there. I didn't put that there. And I was a little frustrated about it, and so I thought, well, I've, I'm talking about joy and satisfaction. That's okay. I'm, I'm going to talk about a biblical understanding of joy. I'm going to talk about a biblical understanding of being satisfied in life, and I'm not going to give that any time. Well, then Saturday before the message on Sunday, June 3rd, I get an email. And on this email, I, I, I'm really frustrated. It's from Walmart, and I've got it up on the screen right now so you can see it. And it, it I just caught me. It said pride and joy. And I get emails from Walmart a lot because we order a lot from Walmart, uh, here for the church. And, and so I get this email and I look, open it up and it says pride and joy right at the beginning. The title is happy pride. And I'm seriously. And it says a celebration of you. And I have to ask myself this question. I didn't really have to ask any questions. (laughs) Let your authentic self shine through always and in all ways. And I thought, I agree with that. Let your authentic self shine through. Now, I'm not here to announce a boycott of Walmart. That's not what I'm doing. If you don't want to shop there, that's your deal. But I got this email, and I'm just telling you, it broke my heart because I all right, we've got this month now that's becoming a, a big stand that everybody's taking nationwide, and I'm not hearing much from the church on it. And what I want to do is I want to make sure that if we're going to have a culture conference, that we understand what the world's agenda is and how it's coming in direct opposition to the churches. We've we got to talk about it. As I read more into this page... And you can't see this in the fine print, but it's there. It was telling us to meet the creators behind LGBTQIA+, in case there's any more you want to add to it, all the brands, and so much more. So they're going to tell you all of the people that are behind what is being sold 
by the LGBTQIA plus community. They're going to tell you all of that. And as you'd scroll down through the email, it showed all these different, I thought about just going in and showing you every one of them. You can look it up. All the brands that are supporting. So all these brands that Walmart sell are supporting. Are supporting different. Now, I'm not here to tell you what all the brands are, but it went and showed them. And I was reading it. And then you could click on more. And it would tell you all about their life and how they got into the LGBT. I'm talking about it. It was an agenda. It wasn't just to sell a product. It was an agenda that they've either been pressured into. I don't know what's happened, but they were doing. And, and this is right on the heels of our culture conference. We're trying to teach culture from a church perspective. And what I'm telling you, you better get this. I'm already getting way round up. But you got to get this. There's an agenda. And they're trying to, they're not trying to hide it. They're just trying to put it right in your face. Let me tell you, I got an agenda, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to put it out there in every way, shape, and form that I can. Why? Because it's going to bring satisfaction and joy a God way, not just telling me this is all for you. No, this is all for the kingdom of God. And that's what brings satisfaction and joy. This culture conference, what we taught at, and if you were missed any of it, it's still available on podcasts. You can get it on the YouTube channels. But you need to make sure that you understand our role as God's people is to provide a counter to the culture. We've got to have a counter. There has to be something that comes saying, that's not us. That email sent out, and I'm, I'm like, okay, well, here's what they're doing. What are you doing? Well, I'm going to share at least a reel from the church. I'm going to do something that says, hey, here's what I'm doing for the kingdom of God. They're doing it for the kingdom of darkness, trying to make it look like it's all good, and it's not. It's ended in destruction. They use two words that should be understood as Christians to mean a certain thing. Is it not amazing how words change over time? I mean, really, let, let's, let's just talk about this for a second. When you say, man, that's a bad dude, that could mean they're really great. That's a bad dude. I mean, he just won the race. He just, did you see him break every one of them tackles and score that point? I'm just, that's a bad dude. When there was a time where bad dude was like, you better stay away from him. See, we, we've mixed words up, and they don't mean the same as what they grew up meaning. Just the word gay. You can read it in scripts from long ago, and it meant happy. And if you were a gay person, it was a good thing, and it was a kingdom of God principle. Happy are those people whose God is the Lord. Gay are those people whose God is the Lord. Don't take that one out of context. Do you, are you following what I'm saying? See, there, there's a change of words. So they have used two words that we don't really understand the way they're trying to make them come across. They use the word pride and joy. Well, let me explain. A dictionary definition of pride is a feeling or deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. So it makes life all about you and what you have done. The Bible says this about pride. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 1 John 2, 15, we read this in, in the first part of the series. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. 
a craving for things that you see, everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyway, does what pleases God, lives forever. See, there's physical pleasure, what you can see, and the pride of life, the pride of what you have accomplished, of what you have achieved, and you want everybody to see it. Everybody needs to look at me. Everybody needs to look at me because look what I have done. I mean, you go on Facebook. Look what I have done. I just want everybody to see what I have done because I am wonderful. Here I am, Mr. Wonderful. See, that's what we do. We go on and we're, we're, we're all about this pride thing because that's what the world tells us we need to be about. Proverbs 15, 2, the Lord tears down the house of the proud. Okay, well, I don't really want to have what God has built up for my house to be torn down. So pride don't need to be in it. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, haughty spirit before fall. I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but somehow I don't think pride is what we should be exalting But yet, I get an email that said, pride and joy, happy pride, happy pride. Have we not, are we not trying to turn the word around again? We're trying to make it something good when the Bible says very specifically, according to the word, that we shouldn't be lifting up an attitude of pride. That's not what we should do. Then you get to joy. Joy, a feeling of great happiness based on something that happened or is happening in your life. Now, I can get that. There's where joy comes from. But real joy is a lasting feeling of emotion, a lasting feeling of happiness based on the choice to trust God to fulfill what he promised. So you could walk in joy knowing that God's promises are true and they're going to happen for you. So as we read pride and joy from a dictionary definition, they say this and can kind of get you to be okay with an agenda that the Bible says, wait, here's what it really says, and we've got to know the difference. Because we've got a world trying to tell us this is how you should operate. The world's saying this is how you should think. But I'm just telling you, God said this is how you should think. Here's what you need to think about pride. It's not a good thing. And it's no wonder that they want to celebrate because they believe that pride is a producer of joy. And it's not. God produces joy. Happy are those people whose God is the Lord. They're saying that pride will produce joy, but I want to just challenge you today that it's a counterfeit. It's not real. The enemies try to steal everything, and in this agenda... He's tried to just even steal, the enemy's tried to steal the rainbow. And and I just want you to know, so nobody comes up to me, I I know all about where it came from, that there was eight to start with in the LGBTQ agenda. Now there's only six because they couldn't get all the things printed they wanted to with all eight. I mean, you just read about it. I know all about it, but there's six now in the LGBTQ, and I'm going to say that because when you add IA and plus, it's too much. So anyway, you you, got to know that their flag that they have represented, because flag always represents being proud of something, according to their agenda, so they developed a pride flag with six colors in it. How many colors does God's rainbow have? Seven. 
Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of God. See, there's just some things that you might not know about, and I just want to make you aware. I want to make you aware that this is all a deception from the enemy. Trying to make it look like it's a God thing, and it's not. It's counterfeit. So, pastor, what do we do then? What do we do? We learn the biblical precedent to live a satisfied and joyful life. I want to know how to have joy and satisfaction in my life because Walmart's telling you this is how. You're in church on Sunday morning, praise God. I'm going to tell you that there's a different way. There's a different way, and here's how you do it. Deuteronomy 6 is very specific. And I started with some one, two, threes on this, and I, I, I've got to finish it out. Uh, I, I've just got some things to talk about. The first three verses of Deuteronomy 6, they, they give the secret of a happy and a fruitful and a satisfied life, and I, I just want us to know how to do it. These are the commands says in verse 1, the decrees and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. See, God has a promise for you, and you've got to know as you walk into those promises, you've got to keep his decree. You've got to keep his command. Right now, the United States of America is the greatest nation that has ever been in my watching of history and studying of history. The greatest nation that's ever been. Yeah, there's some problems, but God's people are still allowed to talk, and they're still allowed to meet publicly. And what I'm telling you is as long as they are, we're going to keep proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And what we've watched as in America is we've watched the prosperity right here in the United States of America, like no other country. The poorest people in America are still in the top 10% of any other nation in the world. You need to understand, God has done some great things in the United States of America. Praise the Lord. And so if we're going to enter the land that he's promised us, we've got to keep his decrees. Verse 2, it says, you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely. Israel, be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you'll have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey. Well, we got a church that's got this promise. <laughs> we, got, we got families with lots of kids right here. And, and we got other ones that are still working on it, like the Laxtons. They just keep going. Anyway. They're going to, we're going to enjoy a long life. Verse 3, listen closely, be careful to obey. All's going to go well with you. You'll have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Now there's more. I'm going to keep reading. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again. And again, to your children, talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. That means all the time. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as a reminder, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. See, we, we, it means keep, keep what God has said in front of you at all times. Keep it in front of you at all times. All right, I got seven points today. And just for those of you that went, oh, no, I already did four of them in the first session. 
So I've got three points today, and here's the first four. The Lord is our God in verse four. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Come on, God has to be first and only. First and only. Second, he must be able to have all. Of, he's got to be able to have all of you. You've got to love the Lord, thy God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. We're three-part beings, and we've got to love him with all that we are. Number three, you've got to have an outward commitment. See, everybody has to be able to see that there's an outward commitment. We have baptisms now frequently, <laughs> and we are going to understand that having baptism is an outward profession, and so it's an outward deal, and then they're going to walk out of this, and they're going to outwardly continually profess the goodness of God in their life. Number four, you got to realize that God is full of grace and we have an undeserved possession. We didn't deserve it, but we got it. We didn't deserve it, but we got it. So that was all in part one. Let's just start today. Number five, remember what you've been delivered from. You got to remember, verse 12, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Egypt stood for a place of bondage and sin. In our lives, spiritually, unrighteousness and not being in God's plan for our lives is an area of Egypt. It's an area of bondage and sin. And so lust oftentimes is a perversion or a counterfeit of what God has, and God has love for us. And we've got to remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, that's me, that's you, whoever, so you can just take whoever and put your name there. So whoever, so Ashley. See, God, God so loved the world that Ashley. See, he loved the world that Ashley, he gave his son. Ashley, he gave. I gave my son for Ashley. you got to remember that. There's a remembering that takes place. You have to remember that you have been delivered. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We need a gentle reminder every once in a while, don't we? Come on, just a gentle reminder. I, I, I just was, I, I was looking on the wall in my office, and sometimes I've got a bunch of scripture stuff in my office, and I was just looking at one of them this morning and thinking, man, you need to read that a little more. Because God has blessed me, and you need to read that. And I need to remember what God has done. In my office, Keith Henson gave me when he got back from serving in Iraq, this great country. He gave me a flag that was flown on a helicopter. And it was flown across, and, and it was flown on, on behalf of Christian Ministries Church, and, and it hangs in my office, and it'll always be in my office, because it was an important thing for me, for me to remember that I have a man right here in our church that loves God, loves people, and while he was even over there, he was an extension of all that was going on here. Now, the reason he did that is because he had a church that loved him. See, there was a, there was a common bond, and I'm never going to forget that that commonality that brought us together was God. And that hangs there with an excitement to remember the goodness of God. Remember what you've been delivered from. Come on, remember what you've been delivered from. If Keith ever needs to remember, I got a flag. Come on over and look. Praise God, he's not over there serving right now. He's sitting by his wife. 
I don't know if any of y'all were here during that. I just got to go on a little rabbit trail. But Keith would call right in the middle of service. And I'd put him on speakerphone and I'd hold the, the microphone right up to the speaker and he'd be talking to the church, telling them what God was doing. And thank you guys for praying for me. Thank you for looking out for my family. Actually, they were looking out for us. But I mean, we, we kind of too... I'm just telling you, it was a great time. And I remember that. And I just remember that I'm glad that we've been delivered from it. See, there's things that God has delivered us from. And you need to remember, he's a deliverance. God, he's a God of deliverance. He don't leave people the way they were. They get a new life, a new excitement, a new zest, a new zeal. Boy, I remember what I've been delivered from. Number six. We've got to know that there's a conditional promise. Verse 18 of Deuteronomy 6. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so all will go well with you. Do what is right and good, so all will go well with you. You know, my mama and my daddy used to say that. If you'll just do what's right, it'll go good for you. Young people, listen to me today. If you just do what mom and daddy says, it goes a lot better for you. It really does. If you just do what they say. What's horrible is when you choose not to, it don't go well for you. But when you just do what mom and daddy says, it goes well for you. That doesn't change. See, when you get out of the house, you transfer that, and there's a transferring that parents need to make sure that they give to their children over to God. If you'll just do what God says, it'll go well for you. Just do what's good and right in the Lord's sight and it'll go well with you. Then you'll enter and occupy the good land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Now, if you do this, things will just go well. It'll just go well. Parents give this all the time. I I get a kick out of my kids because they're doing exactly what we did. All right, if you'll do this, this, and this while we're here, if you'll just stay seated, if you'll be quiet. Come on, how many of you parents tell them that before church on Sunday morning? If you'll just be quiet telling you, after church, here's what's going to happen. And so they try to make them say, if you can just endure this boring preacher, after church, it's going to get so much better. It's going to get so much And we sit there and we try to tell them how much better in life parents will do this. Hey, if you'll just, if you'll be good in the store. Now, when we get to the checkout aisle and you don't ask for anything, I'm going to get you something. And we set all these conditions up. Parents, if you want to mess this up, just don't do what you said you were going to do. That also goes with when they get in the store and do mess it all up, and then you still give them a reward in the checkout aisle, you've just messed it up. We need to be a people who do what we say we're going to do. God is a God who does what he says he's going to do, and he gives us a conditional promise. So I don't have a problem with parents giving a conditional promise. Because God gives a conditional promise. And he does that so you can have joy and satisfaction. Are you getting this? So you can have joy and satisfaction in life. All right, number seven. The last one here. For joy and satisfaction, you're expected to have a testimony for the Lord. You're expected. You're expected. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 21. It starts out and it says, Then you must tell them. Right then, it tells you that you've got responsibility. You have responsibility as one of God's. you got to tell them. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes. 
dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we will obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. In this passage, he gives us five things that we've got to know are important concerning our testimony. There are five things. And as a Christian, the seventh point to live in a joyful and satisfied life is to have a testimony that you're able to share. Boy, I just can't talk to anybody. Well, let me give you these five because I think you can relate. Number one, as to your testimony, your testimony needs to have a confession of your past. A confession of your past. We were slaves in Egypt. We were slaves in Egypt, and it wasn't good. Verse 21, we were slaves in Egypt. See, I once was this, but I'm no longer a slave. Here's the problem with a lot of Christians. They start talking about who they once were, and they give glory to it. Man, I used to be a slave in Egypt. That was just, well, why don't you just go back then? Because if that was so much better than the life that God's offering you, and it's not, it's not going to produce anything that you want. When they started complaining about the manna, well, at least we got this back in Egypt. <laughs> wow, what are you talking about? See, your, your testimony needs a confession of your past in the sense of it wasn't good. So don't bring glory to your past. Boy, I used to be a drug addict and I was one of the best at them. It was so fun, man. I had so much fun. Why would you say it like that? I used to be a drug addict, and praise God, I'm not anymore. That wasn't the life that God. I used to be an alcoholic. I, 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 used, to, I used to be arrogant. I used to be proud. I once was addicted to me. I had a bunch of pride. I had some stuff. I used to be, but that is not who I am anymore. Praise God, I'm a different person in Jesus. And you say, well, I wasn't any of those things. Well, you, if, you, if you can't even find how bad you once were, you can just say it like this. I once was destined for hell. But now I'm not. Now I'm not. See, hell isn't my future. So the second thing in having a testimony is you have to have an acknowledgement of the Lord's righteous judgment against sin. You need to understand that there is a judgment against sin. That's part of your testimony. In verse 22, we said, The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes. He dealt terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. See, in this testimony, there is an acknowledgement that God has a righteous judgment. There's a righteous judgment. In your personal testimony, he showed that there is much more available that others should be able to see based on your life. God has a righteous judgment. I was destined for hell. I'm telling you, when I was treating my wife like this, my life was hell, and I realized it wasn't ever going to get any better if I keep talking to her this way. So that's part of my testimony. And I knew that because God was not bringing our family into a blessing. I just felt like everywhere I turned, I was cursed. Everything I was doing, when I tried to do it right, I had been doing so much wrong that I was just living miserable. God showed me that, and I realized that, wait, 
there is a promise in the word that God is no respecter of persons. And if he's going to bless someone by doing it right over here, if I do it right, he'd bless me right here. And I started getting that and it just changed my perspective. And I acknowledge that the Lord has a righteous judgment. The third thing is your testimony has to include a declaration of his power to save you, to bring you out, to bring you out. Verse 23, he brought us out. He brought us out. He brought us out. I haven't always had the life I now have, but I just want you to know he brought me out. Michelle and I are so grateful for the life that we have now. But I, I, I'm aware that he brought me out of the old life. I don't, I don't operate the way I used to. I'm out of that life. He brought me out. He has the power to bring us out. And I declare before everyone, I'm not going back. That's not where I'm going. I, I just... I'm... I, it may have been yesterday that you were brought out. So today declare that you've been brought out. And then never quit. I've been brought out. I had to start saying that the day we decided we're going to stay married and we're going to work on it. Because there were still things that would come up from the old man that I was trying to kill. I was trying to crucify. And they'd come out, and I'd be like, okay, I just messed this up, so we probably, she's not going to stay with me. No, he brought me out of that old thinking. We are not. We are not going to get a divorce. We're going to stay married. This is my testimony, but what's yours? What did he bring you out of? What did he bring you out of? Number four, in having a testimony, you've got to live with an assurance that he is faithful to his word. You live assured that he is faithful. Now, verse 24 says, observe all these decrees and he will preserve us. Now, I pray that your life and my life is seen by others as being obedient to his word. And the only way you'll be obedient, obedient to his word is if you have assurance that he's faithful to his word. That's the only way you'll do it. What I want you to know, God is bound to his word, and he chose to be. It's not, when you say that, God's bound to his word, a lot of times people think, well, then he has to do what he said. He doesn't want to. No, 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 he chose to be bound. to. He chose when that word came about, when his word came about, and he spoke it into the, the different writers of the word, and, and it was his speaking to us. He chose at that point to live it out and be faithful to it. And so I declare today, I can have what he says I can have. And you have to do that. You have to declare that God's faithful to his word. And I'm going to choose to live assured of that. Number five and the last one in your testimony is obedience. You just got to obey. You got to live obedient. And here's the thing, as you live obedient, your testimony doesn't always have to be said. There's a part of declaration and saying things out of your mouth, but there's also a part of living it out. And obedience is the living it out. I can tell you when I'm around young people, 
two, three, four years of age and their parents say something and they immediately do it and don't talk back or I, I can know what the parents have already done before I saw that. And that child is being obedient. And oftentimes it's only because he's been disciplined into obedience. But I have watched adults be obedient to leadership or to a boss, as long as it wasn't morally or ethically wrong, but just walk in obedience because they have understood the importance of obedience. And I have watched God's people do things that I know they would rather not do. But I could see they were just being obedient. Obedience is seen by everyone. You just got to know that. Obedience is seen. And here's how it's seen. Not just because you said, yeah, I'll do that. But because they saw the work being done and they saw it completed. And they were obedient. When I tell a child not to run and they don't run, they're being obedient. Regardless of the reason, they're being obedient. Regardless of what season of life you are, get to a place where you're going to say, I'm going to be obedient to the word. I'm not going to bow at work when it comes against the word of God. I'm not going to bow when my family starts. I'm not going to bow. And what is happening in this world and the emails that are coming into our computers, I'm not going to bow and say, this is okay. In fact, I'm going to proclaim it to everybody that it's not. Pride and joy, the way the world tries to say it works, will never work. Joy and satisfaction, the way God says it will work, is the life I want to live. And I pray that it's the life you want to live. Obedience is important. What is your testimony saying? A testimony is a public declaration that is regarding, in, the, in God's terms, a religious, a religious experience. One of the most, I, I want to end with this, this teaching here. One of the most devastating diseases listed in the Bible was leprosy. Now, you've read about that, and you've probably seen that in Scripture. You've heard somebody talk about it. Uh, leprosy is a mildly contagious disease uh, that, that is a highly disfiguring illness. And it's often used in preaching scenarios as being referred to as a consequence or a part of sin. They call it spiritual leprosy. Now, the man with leprosy was not always a leper. Here's what you got to know about it. He wasn't always a leper. Before he was affected and afflicted with this disease, the chances were good that he probably had a career, a family. He was maybe a leader in his community. And all that happened before leprosy. But when leprosy hit, he was banished from all that he knew in life, and he entered isolation. He was isolated. And everywhere he would go, he had to call out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And he did that because he wanted everybody to know that, was, that he had leprosy. And even though it was a mildly contagious disease, it was still caught. And so he needed to tell everybody. In the human philosophy, his life was divided into two stages. And that's how he saw his life, before leprosy and leprosy. That was the only two stages that people saw, before leprosy and leprosy. I see this in sin. Before they got addicted to and living a lifestyle of sin, maybe when they were being in the home trying to be taken care of by parents, and then they give their life over to sin, 
and it's before sin and in sin. Spiritual leprosy. It's like you're held. And you see, in religious circles, in religious circles, there's a lot of controversy of Jesus touching the leper and then being healed. There's just, just a lot of controversy as to what happened there. Let me read this. Matthew 8, 4. Jesus is telling the leper after he healed him, he said, don't tell anyone about this. Don't, don't tell anybody about this leprosy. Instead, go to the priest, let him examine you, take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. Now, so many schools of thought about this scripture. One school of thought was that Jesus didn't want a multitude to swarm him, swarm, to just swarm him and, and say, hey, here we go, here we go. He just healed that guy. I got this. You need to heal this. I got a hangnail. Please help me out here. Or maybe someone else, but he didn't want to get. So one thought and theologian thing was that Jesus didn't want him to go tell everybody so he didn't get swarmed. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because multitudes were already following, the Bible says. And, and Matthew Henry commentary states this. It should seem it did not forbid him telling it to the honor of Christ, but he must not tell it to his own honor. Okay, I get that. See, don't go tell everybody you've been healed because they might think that you did something and it wasn't about you, it was about Jesus. Okay, I get that commentary. That was good, but I, I don't know. There's just a different thought that I have here. At this particular time in history, only a priest could pronounce a person clean from leprosy. Jesus sent the man to the priest to show himself, the Bible says. Nowhere did Jesus tell him to tell the priest anything. He said, go show yourself. The priest would then be able to give testimony to the man's deliverance based on his observation and authority that was given by the law. Now, I want you to follow me here. The testimony did not come from the mouth of the man who was delivered, but from the mouth of the person who could officially document the change. Live your life in a way that you don't have to tell anybody. Live your life in a way that everybody else says, there's a good man. There's a man that's in right standing. There's a man that was healed. There's somebody. See, you're living your life in a way. You're just living your life in a way that God is seen through every, the loudest word spoken should be living your life based on the word coming out of you by your actions, not just, let me tell you what you need to be doing. Live your life in a way that God has seen through you. That's what a testimony is. And there's five real big points to that, but I want you to know, when you hear these scriptures, I want to ask you, are you who these scriptures are talking about? So let me just read these real quick. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. Is that you? This would be good places for yep and amen. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that you? Come on, Deuteronomy 28.6. You'll be blessed when you come and blessed when you go. Is that you? 
Romans 8, 31. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Oh, man, I've been living defeated. Okay, well, there's your verse this week. Let's start proclaiming something different. Psalm 114, 14, how blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Romans 8, 37, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. All of these explain who Christ is. Come on, your testimony is set up for you to brag on God. Not you, to brag on God. And if you want to live a joyful and satisfied life, take take all seven of those principles and just make the application. Just make the application. Just make the application. Now, the application won't work without a relationship. So if you don't know him, then get to know him first. And then you can do all the decrees, all that he's asked, all that. Not because you have to. Jesus took all of that junk for you. But know this, because you get to. It's a good life. We ought to be able to live joyful and satisfied even when you get an email from Walmart. See, I'm not going to let the world's view steal my joy because they didn't produce it. He did. So I'm going to have joy and I'm going to have satisfaction in life and I'm not going to live a victim. I'm an overcomer through Jesus. I have the life he's called me to live And praise God, I have the family he's called me to have, and I'm going to live out his promises. And if I don't have them yet, I still know they're coming. Why? Because I'm just doing what he asked, and I'm living according to what he said. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church where it's more than a church, it's family.